Hello everybody and welcome to a special interview episode of LocoCast. My name is Craig Maloney. Rick Harding is on assignment. Yeah, that's what we're going to call it. Anyways, recently we got the opportunity to speak with one of our listeners, Jim Barber. Jim Barber contacted us a while ago and told us about his interesting use of Ubuntu. Or at least not necessarily his interesting use of it, so much as where he's using it, which was really interesting. We decided to get him on the show to talk a little bit about that. So without further ado, here's our interview with Jim Barber. So I'm here with Jim Barber. Um, Jim, you've got a a bit of an interesting story. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. uh, um, Well, I've been uh, sailing for, uh, oh, 24 years now on the same boat. Okay. Actually. Actually, I started sailing in 1984, and I've been sailing this boat I have now since '86. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nice sloop, uh, named Esmeralda, and been a great home for all these years. Awesome. So, okay. you, um, from what I understand, though, you're actually an, an Ubuntu user out on a boat. Is that correct? that's that's correct? Okay. That's uh. So when you say I'm on a boat, you're not just referencing the old spice commercials. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. So so tell us a little bit about how one uses Ubuntu out on a boat. Well, actually, you use it just like everything else. I mean, it's not really any different. Uh, you have, you know, I have I have the problems of uh, internet connection because obviously I have to be mostly in port or anchored off of. Uh, some place where I can pick up Wi-Fi from shore, free Wi-Fi that I can access. Okay. Uh, um, I don't have a 3G stick for the computer. Uh, I don't know if Telcel in Mexico actually sells one that uh, can be uh, configured for Linux or not. I was just going to ask you, is that is that something that's available to you, or is that something that uh, is, is cost prohibitive? Or I'm... I'm I'm pretty much the person that that just kind of hangs out at home with my own little Wi-Fi. So, well, it's uh, actually my mate Sandy uh, had uh, a 3G for her, and she was using Windows, and she was using a Nokia 10. And I went through the whole thing of uh, going through and uh, going to the website and doing everything they said to you know to, to get it to work, and uh, and it wasn't supported. The Nokia 15 is, but not the 10. And Telcel in Mexico does not have the Nokia 15, only the 10. Oh, bugger. Okay. And even if it did, uh, for me, uh, it's cost prohibitive. Okay. So what is your history with computers? What got you uh, interested in computing? Well, actually, it's... uh, when I got to thinking about that, it actually started, uh, I think, in 1953 when I was about seven or eight years old. My my dad brought home a cardboard computer. It was a, kind of a, a model, you might say, and it had some cards in a matrix on on wires that would they would flip over. Okay. And that's all I remember about it. 
And I think my interest might have lasted till I went to sleep that night, but uh, I think that's about <laughs> as far as it went. Uh, you know, it, it just really didn't do anything for me at the time because, you know, unfortunately, I kind of wish I had got been interested in it now. But then uh, uh, in 19, let's see, what year was that? Uh, 66 it was. Yeah, that's right. It was in spring. I took a course in uh, introduction to computers at a local community college in Southern California. Okay. And uh, I remember hassling with Fortran and punch cards and all that stuff, and it really wasn't very interesting at all. <laughs> uh, didn't actually get into any kind of, uh, you know, programming or any, you know, other than that, you know, programming languages, you know, per se, I guess, other than Fortran and something else, I think, which was a business, unless Fortran was the business one. No, uh, I think you're talking about COBOL. COBOL, that's the one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, that's, that's that's enough to make anyone want to lose their lunch. I did a little COBOL as well. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no wonder I couldn't remember the name. <laughs> but anyway, the interesting thing about that computer, though, was they had a uh, a baseball game programmed into it, okay. and you get to select a team from all the all stars that they've you know they've obviously got programmed in from you know the history of baseball. And then the computer selects its team, and then it plays a game. And each batter comes up and bats and does stuff and everything. And, you know, the game goes on. The bottom of the ninth, you know, the computer's the home team, of course. Mm-hmm. If the computer is behind, it scores enough runs to win. No, oh, it cheats. Every time. No, it's just, <laughs> it's just good. <laughs> but anyway, that's the way it's programmed. Yeah, it's programmed to cheat. So, oh, that's cool. So, so moral victory is if you're ahead going into the bottom of the ninth and you know you feel like you won. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And uh, that was pretty much it then. Uh, about how long did that program take to run a, a full game? Oh, or? I really couldn't tell you. It wasn't excessively long. It seemed like because, but then again, it was probably just interesting watching the baseball game unfold. So. Uh, don't know how long it took, but obviously it couldn't have been too long because it was done during class time. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I guess in those days it was very fast. <laughs> and, uh, and that that's pretty much in it. I was, uh, uh, next thing I did is I did a four-year t- stint in the Marine Corps. And so, uh, you know, that kind of occupied my life for that whole period. Okay. And then, uh, then I was up in Oregon and uh, moved up there about 1981. And 83, 84, uh, I was taking some classes at uh, Central Oregon Community College. I was getting a forestry uh, degree and uh, an AS and uh, there. And I took uh, a couple semesters of Pascal programming, which I found quite interesting. And I bought a computer. That was my first language. Well, outside of BASIC. And that was that was my I would say my real first true language, and it was a joy. I know. Yeah, I, I looked at Basic too, but I I like I like Pascal, and I I bought a computer so that I could do my uh, homework at home. And uh, out of a magazine, I, there was an ad for a free Pascal compiler, which worked uh, just fine on the on this little computer. I can't remember the name. It, it was a portable actually. The keyboard latched up on the front, had two floppy drives, a four-inch screen, and a handle in the back for carrying it. And, uh, I think that was an Osborne, actually. Osborne, that was it. Oh, yeah, my was gosh. 
Yeah. yeah do you still have my... that? What? Do you still have that computer? No, I don't. Oh, it, uh... sure. <laughs> yeah, I was going to get get along to what happened to it in a, in a moment. Anyway, I, one of the programs I wrote uh, for myself was uh, to balance my checkbook because for some reason I, I couldn't seem to balance it to the penny anymore. I'm pretty mm-hmm. anal about that. And so I wrote a little program to do that, and that took care of that problem. And uh, it didn't save any of the, uh, you know, information or anything. It just balanced my checkbook, and that was it. And then uh, then in 84, December, I moved back to San Diego and eventually joined a a sailing club there. And then I wrote a program to uh, uh, compile and print out the uh, race results of our monthly races. And so it, it, you know, it print the uh, the finish times, the corrected finish times, the winners, and you know, a little bit of information about what course we sailed and all that. And so after the races, I would we had, we were ac- actually meeting at a restaurant next to my marina, so I could run back to my boat, uh, enter the information, print everything out, and run back to the club, and then they could uh, announce the results. Worked pretty good, you know, until the computer finally just broke down and the uh, the tech couldn't find any more spare parts for it so i just gave it to him oh man yeah that that i i remember reading about the osborne computer when i was younger and thinking that that was just the most one of the most amazing machines that you could carry around a computer with you that was a full-on computer yeah and uh actually the word processor i think now today was be about the equivalent of something like g-edit you know yeah Oh yeah, it, it it was definitely not a powerhouse or anything like that. I know there was a lot of bugs and problems with the things, but that was you know the Osborne. That was the Osborne one. That was the computer. And then later on, they they released a larger version of it, and I think it was the Osborne five that it was, or the Executive, or something like some some it, dumb it, name it, like that. Yeah, I think it was the Executive because when I bought it, there were two options I had, and I bought the uh, more powerful one. Okay, so you had the Executive. So yeah, the, the rarer of the two. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and a- actually the software uh, seemed to work flawlessly. Uh, there wasn't. I don't remember any problems. Uh, you know, with the computer hanging or doing anything like that. It was. It was just after it was about three years old that the hardware started breaking down. Well, yeah, I think that was the big problem with them. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But it, recent, you recently, recently. Boat back then, back was, in '86. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, it, it finally died, I think, in 87. Okay. Because I bought this boat in 1986, and so, and, and I was still had it, it was still up and running uh, when I had this, first bought this boat. Okay. And I joined that club late in December, so it would have had to have been 87 that uh, it finally died. Now, were you living on the boat at the time, or? Uh, yeah, I was. Okay, okay. Yeah, except for a couple of times, and presently I was—I've lived on the boat the whole time. Okay. Very cool. So anyway, uh, in 2000, I moved up to San Francisco. I sailed up there, and I uh, was uh, had had a spot in a place called Emeryville, right on the bay. Of course, it's hard to get the boat uh, up the roads, and then uh, that's when I met Sandy. That was in 2000. Uh, and she was looking for a boat to go cruising on, and, uh, and I was looking for a partner, and so we uh, we started sailing together, and then uh, we decided to do it, and uh, 
So in 2002, we left San Francisco, sailed back down to San Diego, and then uh, we weren't ready to go until 2003, and then we finally uh, sailed down the outside of the Baja coast, which was an absolutely incredible journey. Uh, it's it take too long to describe it, but it was just, it was, it was awesome. Imagine. Yeah, we had everything from just idyllic slow sails to... Uh, storm sailing all the way down so I mean, it was <laughs> yeah we, well this is this is something i'm kind of proud of uh, esmeralda set her uh, over the speed over the water uh, record of say of uh, averaging 10 knots for uh, an hour and 15 minutes okay, and so esmeralda the boat right yeah covering 15 miles and typically her you know actually her physical maximum sailing speeds only 7.3 knots and so this was all due to surfing down 12 15 foot waves the you know for over an hour oh my gosh <laughs> but it was such a perfect sail um everything was just right and it was like i could put two fingers on the wheel and just control the boat it was incredible i think that would be a brown pants moment for me <laughs> well i don't know sandy spent the whole time down below so it probably was for her too <laughs> She denies it, but uh, I think she said she was taking a nap or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, very cool. So what got you involved with Ubuntu then? Well, when we uh, when I met Sandy, I had this thing called Pocket Mail for okay. doing my emails, and it worked great in the States. I mean, I walked by a telephone, dialed up the number, set it up, and bingo, I got all my emails, sent everything I wanted to send, and it was it was great. You know, it's really one of the true, true first mobile devices, I guess, that came out. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I don't remember Pocket Mail offhand. Yeah, it's um, it it it's uh uses a um, a sound transducer, uh, you know, to uh, oh okay, I, I transmit just, over the phone lines. I just looked, I just looked at it up. It was a very small and inexpensive. This is according to Wikipedia. <clears throat> it was a very small and inexpensive mobile computer with a built-in acoustic coupler. So you'd put the payphone handset into the into the computer then and then check your email that way eh? yeah any any ha any handphone set as long as it was uh analog not digital right okay and we're fine eventually they came up where you could actually use them on cell phones but i i never did that because i i didn't have a cell phone when i had it well, anyway so we had that when we came down to mexico and boy i tell you that was an adventure using that thing down in mexico oh i can imagine uh, <laughs> Tells, I mean, Telmex, you know, the it's the only phone company in Mexico for mm -hmm. landlines and Telcel, which is, they're all owned by the same guy anyway, so. Uh, and the, But the public phones were, were horrendous. Uh, I think I was, I was lucky to find one out of three that actually worked with pocket mail. Jeez. And then half of those, I'd be halfway through it and they'd hang up on me. It's kind of like Skype on Windows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too cool. Yeah. So, so anyway, so in 2006, uh, we were back up in San Diego on a parts run for the boat and visiting friends. And so I decided to get a computer, and that's where I bought this Toshiba. And it had XP on it. And, and of course, I hadn't really experienced a computer since 1980 or, yeah, 87. So I, you know, I had no idea what was what I was. Well, yes, I, I did. Sandy had a Windows computer, uh, 2000, I think, and I used. But that's a little still a bit, bit of a culture shock. 
you know, so I, you know, and I, you know, so when I started, boy, I thought, oh, this is cool. Okay, you know, boy, I really be able to do all my emails and everything. Well, in four months, I was about ready to um, have that Toshiba walk the plank and just drop <laughs> it over the side of the boat because this this is not, I'm not kidding when I say this. I would go into town, I'd set up the computer, get it going, get it started, uh, plug in the electricity and the internet connection. You know, I'd find a, have an internet cafe where I could set up my laptop. Then I'd walk couple blocks to a store, buy a Coke, walk back, sit down, drink my Coke, and I'm still waiting for Windows to be ready. Oh, geez. I mean, it was literally seven minutes or more before I could even use the computer to do anything. You know, you know, you think it's all ready to go, and then I click on, uh, you know, the web browser, which I was using IE at the time, and it would be another three minutes before that came up. Oh, my gosh. You know, and... You know, and I had I knew absolutely nothing what to do. I didn't even know how to search the internet or anything, and the help on the computer was absolutely useless. Uh, didn't tell me a thing. And then finally, a couple months later, it was uh, April of 2007. I wrote a nephew who's been working in the computer field all his adult life since the 70s, sometime, and he he sent me his entire email said www.linux.org. Because <laughs> I asked him, you know, for another operating system. Mm-hmm. And so I went there and just started reading. And, you know, and I just started learning about computers. I didn't realize at the time that that's what was happening, but I just started learning right there. And I spent two weeks uh, reading stuff and, and reading about different operating systems. And I chose Ubuntu only because they're the only one that had the word desktop on their website. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I thought, well, maybe this will work. I'm not using a desktop. I'm using a laptop. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe that they're not that much different. And, well, you know, little did I know that, you know, desktop and laptop, that, you know, that's what they meant. You know, right, for, yeah. For either one. So, but I didn't know that. That's how, you know, naive I was about all this stuff. And uh, so I downloaded that, but... Then again, it was. It took me another two weeks before I finally learned what I was supposed to do with an ISO file, because right. I had never seen one before. And I did, and I learned that from a, a Toshiba tech when I was talking to one with a had a problem with the Toshiba. And so finally, I found out about the ISO recorder, and and so I. Finally, I burned my uh, first uh, live CD, tried it out. I thought it's pretty good. And then I uh, tried it the next day. I was going to, you know, do like they say, you know, try it for a week or two and see if I like it. And I wasn't even two minutes into the, using Ubuntu the second time. And I said, to heck with this. And I just pressed the install button. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, did, I didn't know what I was doing. And But, it, you know, it went fine. It it all installed everything and everything was fine and and I didn't even, even if it messed up I didn't have anything to lose off the windows uh, you right. know nothing I hadn't been using it long enough but it worked fine uh, except the one thing I couldn't figure out was how to set the partition because I don't know whether it was just me or what or it was the way it was set up but there's no way of telling which way the slider uh, adjusted well, you know, whether when you switch to the left, who got bigger? Right. So, so the first time I did it, you know, I, the windows was too big, and then then I 
did it the other way. Then it was too small. Then finally, I got it just about right. So then I had both systems running on the same computer. And but I used Ubuntu all almost all the time. Okay. And and I had a problem. Uh, Skype didn't work on the Toshiba very well. It on uh, and it worked much better on Windows, though it still it still had a lot of problems. It hung up a lot and stuff. But uh, you know, I could still use it. You know. So I needed the Windows just just for my telephone. Yeah, I, I think we ran into that problem when we were trying to set up the show. You were trying to use Skype on on the Toshiba laptop, even, and it didn't work terribly well. Well, actually, they're both doing the same thing, and yeah. I, I, you know, I don't understand it. But your suggestion of un, unchecking that, um, allowing Skype to adjust the mixer levels, seemed to have worked, at least for the Dell. But it's weird because I, I. That's one thing I was going to get to is is how reliable Skype's been on this uh, Dell Mini 9 netbook. Right. So I've had it for uh, almost two years now, and this was the first time I've had any kind of problem with it. <laughs> I have that effect on people. That could be. <laughs> Chris, maybe it's an MS conspiracy. Who knows? So so you've been running Ubuntu now on on. Uh, a couple of different machines. It's only you have a Dell Mini 9 and you have a, a Toshiba 12-inch laptop that you bought in 2006. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I bought the Dell uh, Mini because I decided that, uh, actually my back decided I didn't want to carry the Toshiba around anymore because uh, it basically took up my whole backpack. And, you know, and it was just a little bit heavy for it because... Uh, uh, I've got arthritis in my lower back, and it's uh, you know, and it's just can't do anything anymore. But uh, right. so I decided to get a, a netbook, and I s- settled on the Dell simply because uh, I thought I'd support Dell in the in their support of Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I won't go into that anymore. That's all right. Because. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how much they're really supporting Ubuntu or using it as leverage against Microsoft. But, well, uh, I, I yeah, I, I don't, I, I really can't speak to what Dell's plans are, but it it did seem like it was kind of convenient. Well, their Ubuntu support support uh, is not very good, and in talking with their techs at times, I felt like I knew more than they did, which was to me was rather scary. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, Dell. It uh, started with Ubuntu. Yeah, I, got, I got it with Ubuntu and everything, and, uh, and it worked fine. Uh, Skype worked. Uh, the internal mic and the video all worked. Everything was fine. Uh, but then it started. Uh, I was a little bit dissatisfied with it because uh, I didn't have full access to the Ubuntu repositories. It was just what Dell had, what they, I guess, what you call ported in. Right. Is that the right word? Uh. Well, they probably just had a, a mirror of the repository. Yeah, but it wasn't the full repository. Right, they, just, they probably just, just whatever they, they, I don't know what the best word for it would be, maybe as, as a gatekeeper, whatever they allowed into it. Yeah, it's just what they wanted. Right. And, well, in the meantime, I had uh, I'd run into Python, and and so I was learning how to, I was looking at Python and, and uh, doing some beginning tutorials on Python. And on the Dell... All I had was Python 2.5, and I couldn't upgrade to that. I couldn't install Python 3. 
uh, and also the update manager just quit. I wasn't getting updates anymore, mm-hmm. and so I kind of you know was a little disappointed. And so I started looking around, and then I tried the Dell Linux Engineering. I tried that for a while, but uh, you know then I had the full Ubuntu, but uh, Skype didn't work very well. Uh, you know, like it was the same problem I had on the Toshiba. So then, uh, eventually, I I tried Fedora, and I didn't care for that. Uh, I guess it's the XSFCE that they use. Is that is that what it is? Well, f- yeah, it depends on uh, Fedora uses different things. They use uh, uh, GNOME. I think they have XFCE on there. I think uh, mm. XFCE is on um, Xubuntu as well. Yeah. Well, anyway, I wasn't as there were some other issues with uh, the Fedora that that were kind of uncomfortable. That, so anyway, and then I I uh, was reading Full Circle magazine, and there was an article on Linux Mint. So okay. I went and checked it out, and uh, yeah, I thought, oh, this list sounds good. So I uh, uh, you know downloaded it, burned a CD, and uh, tried it out, and I thought, okay. So I went ahead and installed Linux Mint eight. On the on the nine on this this nine and uh, uh boy I tell you it worked out of the box I couldn't believe it That's I awesome. could watch I could watch movies I could dial Skype or anybody I wanted to uh, it had everything I wanted uh, suspend and hibernate worked uh, for the most part they're not perfect but they they work for the most part uh, you know so, so here's a question you you mentioned that you you downloaded ISOs and that I'm Wondering how long does it take you really to download an ISO image where you're at? Well, uh, it depends. Um, generally, if like here at the house where I'm staying at, I haven't tried it, but I would guess. Uh, well, it's hard to say. I haven't really. Okay, if I got a land connection, sometimes it can take anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Right. Uh, when I was in Mazatlan, we had a. Uh, Cruisers Lounge, which had internet connection there, we plug in. However, it wasn't the fastest in the world, right. uh, and it got loaded down really fast because it was a huge network outside of the marina. In fact, the whole marina in Mazatlan was a big uh, development thing in Mazatlan. Just besides the marina, they had hotels, uh, condominiums, golf courses, you name it. So, they, when you're competing with everyone else that's staying there too, I'm yeah, sure. and and also we're at the bottom of the stream. We're at the bottom of the food chain, so you know, <laughs> uh, you know, give you an idea how bad it was. So one Sunday, I was um, I was using Windows because I was uh, had a thing where I could watch my football team play. Uh, I'm a Chargers fan, and I was watching the game on the computer, and I think it was in Chinese, which was interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't have any sound, but uh, I was watching it, and then two other guys came in. They set up and they dialed up Skype and bingo i lost my video and that was it i never got it back all day huh you know this was on a land connection a wired connection uh and then of course using wi-fi on the boats uh it would literally take me six seven hours to try and download it iso that's what i was thinking is that you you mentioned that you were downloading 704 and and being on a boat in that i would think that would take a little while longer than uh than 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 me sitting here with my you know three megabit connection or whatever. Yeah, well it would except I was up in the cruiser's lounge you know and letting the computer run off the land connection and uh, 
you know, I'd, I'd set it downloading the file, and I'd go off and do whatever I want, come back an hour later and see if it's done. Mm-hmm. And uh, didn't have to, you know, and it was a pretty secure area. I didn't have to worry about anybody walking in and taking off with the computer. That's, that never happened uh, in the times that I've been there. So That's cool. Yeah, you because know, the general public had, really has no access to that area. It's all people uh, with uh, gate cards in the marina. So have you had any problems with uh, the computers taking on water or anything like that when you've been in a boat? Or Oh, uh, you know, I'd forgotten about that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, no, it's actually, it actually in a way, uh, I guess Dell really doesn't want to hear this story. But uh, well, we'll uh, for him. one night, my uh, Sandy was up in the States visiting her family. And I'd left the Dell out on the salon table in the boat. And I went to bed, and I left the boat wide open. The hatches were open. I mean, all the screens were in place, keeping the bugs out. But the ports were open and everything. And we had a thunderstorm that night, and it did not wake me up. Oh, no. I, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I don't – normally anything wakes me up. And I slept through it, and I got up in the morning. The whole inside of the boat was soaking wet, and the poor Dell was soaking wet. Oh, no. And, and it was down. It didn't work. I mean, I – dried it off and I let it sit it out in the sun for a while and everything but it just wouldn't boot up so I sent it to Dell from Mexico you know, which was uh, uh, an experience in itself but uh, I finally got it off and and they were a little confused oh the interesting thing that happened was two or three days i happened to be on the phone with dell and the girl talked me into buying uh accident insurance on the, on the computer so it was covered by the rainstorm huh? so that's why i sent it back to him because it was supposed to you know they're going to fix it for free right. so i sent it back to him and uh they uh anyway they got a little confused and they didn't know about you know and it, i guess the the thing that wasn't in the records or something but anyway some guy just set it aside and it was sitting over there and everybody forgot about it so finally she got on you know from the state she she called him and everything so they finally they got him work on a computer and we told uh we told him you know to to send it to where she was well then we told him no, no don't send it there because you're not going to get it there in time send it to san diego to our mail drop because she, she'd pick it up on the way down. Well, she left, and they sent it back up to uh, Pleasant Hill, where her family lives. So her son had to send it back to the mail drop, and I had to go back to the States and get it someday, well, you know, one day. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I think... Th- the Dell, this computer is absolutely a great machine. It's solid. It's uh, everything you could want, but the support has been absolutely horrible. Well, yeah, I, I can imagine because I, I know I've, I've seen other folks with Dell machines and that, and they've, um, I don't know. It, on the one hand, it's like they, 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 they are kind of there for you. In certain instances, but on other instances, they're they just leave you hanging dry, and especially with a different operating system on there. Yeah, I don't have an experience, you know, as far as Windows, but I imagine they're they're probably Johnny on the spot with Windows, and Ubuntu's kind of it just seems like an afterthought. Yeah. 
So that had to have been a bit of a culture shock for you, though, going from CPM to, to Linux and, and Windows and such. Actually, not at all, because, like I said, I only used uh, Windows for six months. Okay. And really hadn't got into it. In fact, I was so frustrated with it, I was hating it. <laughs> you know, and I was, I was about ready to just throw the computer away and forget about computers, because uh, it, it was so bad. Right. And I, ironically, uh, in learning how, you know, learning how to fix the problems with Ubuntu as they came along, because they, they were there. They, they did happen. Cause, oh, yeah. Uh, Feisty Fun, what I started with, uh, I did not have sound to start with. And one day, it, all of a sudden, it just came on. Uh, I think an update probably fixed it. But, right. Uh, but, I, you know, I, and also, I was, you know, I guess you might say I was turning into a power user because I was always pushing the line. And I frequently <laughs> broke the system. <laughs> and, well, that, it comes with the territory, seriously. Yeah, and I think the first year, year and a half I had it, I must have done about anywhere from eight to ten installs. <laughs> you know, uh, and interesting comment, I've things I've been reading about in the news is, uh, and one of the things is uh, whether to do an upgrade or a fresh, fresh install when you upgrade. And for Ubuntu, uh, the upgrades were working great all up until... Uh, Oh, which one was it? Uh, Probably Gutsy. No, no, that one was okay. It was the one after that. Oh, Hardy uh, Heron? Yeah. No, no, Hardy Heron worked okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Intrepid Ibex? I know it was I think it was Johnny. I think it was Johnny. Johnny? Okay. Okay. Uh, I did the upgrade and it broke. Yeah. No, I, uh, it, uh, there there were a couple times when I, I got to the point where my machine was just so so buggered up with stuff and I'm like I gotta do a fresh install no but but the thing was is I've been doing upgrades all along up until right no uh, I, I understand John, and of course then maybe again I just had so much stuff on it by then that uh, it didn't work anymore and I know um, um, oh I can't I think I think it, yeah, his name is Clem I think from Linux the, you know the runs Linux Mint mm -hmm. uh, he recommends always doing a fresh install right uh, and the the only thing I don't like about that is I have to reinstall all the stuff I use, and it there's there's a lot of stuff I've added on, so it's quite a lengthy process for me. Well, and especially too, if if you're you know bandwidth deprived in that, doing an upgrade is uh it's you have to make time for it. You have to make sure that you're available to to handle all the contingencies that go on with it, and be able to move on your merry way. It's like snorkeling almost, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm on the Toshiba. I'm using. Uh, see, what's it? Ten, ten. Uh, More like scuba than snorkeling, with just one tank yeah. between you and, and the world. Yeah. When I was uh, when I upgraded uh, my Toshiba this last time, I lost the use of my printer because uh, it's a Canon printer, and I had a hard time getting a driver for it in the first place. And for some reason, I can't. I, I repeat the same steps again, but I, for some reason, I can't get it to uh, try to look for a driver that I've got in my files, rather than just going on the internet and picking one of off a repository. Okay. And so I've lost the use of the printer on the Toshiba, so I don't dare upgrade the Dell because that's the only thing that works as printer now, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't afford to get another printer. So you're you're currently on Linux Mint on the on the Dell. Right. 
Which version? It was eight. Uh, it was eight. I'm using nine now. You're using nine. Okay. And what are you using on the Toshiba now? Uh, Ubuntu ten ten. Ten ten. Okay. Yeah. I, so you're pretty current then. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to upgrade the uh, Toshiba because I'm not sure I want want to use uh, Unity. Yeah, that's been a bit of a sticking point for me as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe I'm falling into the thing, you know, the trap of what I'm used to. You know, like you know, which is a lot of problem with Windows users. You know, trying to switch. Uh, you are not but, alone, though. <laughs> but, but I just like the GNOME. I like the GNOME desktop, and I and it it does what I want it to do. So, right. And that's really all all you can really ask for. That's cool. You also mentioned too that you were uh, doing some Python development. What were you doing with that? Uh, well, development's not the correct word. I'm learning. Uh, Same thing. And, and actually, uh, yeah, I suppose it is. But actually, I did write. I've written one program so far, and it was to do the inventory on the boat. Okay. And uh, and it's set up so that uh, it can handle multiple inventories. You know, only one at a time. But I can switch between inventories. Uh, and I had two inventories running, one for the galley and one for the boat itself. And it's uh, it's still in development. <laughs> I understand. So are you enjoying that then, or? Yeah, uh, actually, in the last month or so, I've really done, I haven't done much of anything on Python. I just got back onto this uh, tutorial out of uh, Full Circle Magazine, starting starting it again for about the fifth time, because. Uh, a lot of times, you know, when I'm out cruising and stuff, that uh, uh, things happen, and you know, we just I don't have time to spend on the computers, and uh, you know, plus we're off doing other things, you know, because it's it's uh, you know we're out there to you know explore the you know the world out here. So, do you, do you have you met up with any other fellow Linux users, or actually quite a few? Okay. Uh, uh, using all different uh, Fedora, I've met Fedora users. I've met other Ubuntu users. Uh, you know, it's mostly Fedora and Ubuntu, and a couple, couple of somebody else was using something. Oh, I can't remember what it was, but anyway. Uh, and actually, I've uh, managed to uh, convert a, a few people over to Ubuntu as well. That's cool. And one, one to Linux Mint as well. He. I showed him both, and he liked the Linux Mint, so he went with that. And I have a feeling that it it kind of resembles Windows more than than Ubuntu does. You should show him KDE sometime. Uh, <laughs> I you know I looked at KDE you know first when I first was uh, doing Ubuntu, and and I uh, I don't know I had too much eye candy or something. I guess I don't know too many yeah. things moving around, and you know I I didn't really care for that. Yeah. And so I haven't really looked at it since, but I've I've heard you know probably it's it's been improved a lot. Yeah, it's it's promising. It's just I have the same problem too. You have things flipping all over the place, and it's like I I get too ADD at that point. You know, I just I can't handle having all that flash and flare and that. I need something that's going to just sit there and and just display windows and get out of my way. Yeah, you know how you click on an icon on on one of the panels and it and it kind of flares up. Right, because it wants to give you a tooltip to let you know what the panel is. No, no, it just lets you know that it's oh. it's starting up. Right. You know, 
Well, at first I thought that was a bug. <laughs> I first saw that because I, I didn't like it at first, but now that I, I've gotten used to it, and and actually I, I appreciate it now because sometimes when I click on something, I didn't quite hit it, and so it doesn't do that. So I know it 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 I missed it. Okay. So actually, it's it's quite a nice feature, you know, in the in the long run, I think. Cool. So uh, any any tips for the aspiring Ubuntu person out there? Or? Uh, Who wants to go sailing around the world on a boat? Oh, <laughs> uh, I do it. That's all I can say, and just okay. do it. And I think the first thing, one of my pet peeves that that I've had while I'm down here in Mexico is anchoring. Uh, a lot of people come down here and they don't really know the ins and outs and the etiquette of anchoring. And it it can be dangerous if we get a storm roll in or something like that because you don't want boats dragging around. And because usually what happens, they'll hook somebody else's chain and then take them with them. And, oh, yeah. and there's there's been times when really bad situations where that's happened and it's turned into a real mess. Uh, Imagine. So, and you know, I what that's one thing I suggest do what I do did is that I learned how to do it before I came down. Uh, yeah, because the worst time to try and do it is when you're in the middle of a storm. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and also, you know, there, we could spend a couple hours just talking about how to anchor. So, uh, you know, I won't I won't get into it. Okay. But, uh, it's but it's you know your life depends upon it, and so far our lives have never been threatened by our anchoring. So we've we've done okay. That's fortunate. Yeah, and we we've uh, in fact while we were waiting to come back to La Paz, we we sat out a, a storm uh, that had winds blowing up over fifty knots, and so we had fifty knot gusts coming through the anchorage, and uh, we we just sat perfectly calm, and relaxed, and we didn't have a care in the world because we knew everything was okay. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for taking the time. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Uh I imagine there's hardly any Windows users listening to this, but if there are, this is, uh, just try try Linux, uh, whatever flavor you like, and give it a chance. Give it a couple of weeks, and uh, you'll wonder why you didn't do it sooner. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, I'm sorry that Rick couldn't make it. He's uh, he's on assignment right now, so I know he wanted to, to speak with you, but I'm glad we got the chance to talk, and uh, hopefully you have some very calm seas ahead of you. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, actually, the boat's up for sale now, and I'm, I'm hoping to sell her, sell her, you know, quickly. But if not, then uh, I'll probably be out sailing again. Okay. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you later then. All righty. Bye bye. Bye bye. You want to thank Jim Barber for taking the time to speak with us, and remind you that if you have anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us a note over at feedback at lococast.net. This is Craig Maloney for lococast.net. Thanks so much for listening.